Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Jamie Gibson and Andre Wasilko. Two people who recently decided they would pledge money to the Creative Control with Vishkana Patreon page. And I want to thank you, Jamie and Andre. It means a lot. And you've gotten us up to $223 per month. And if you're just, uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we are trying to get this show's Patreon page up to $500 per month by the end of August 2015. If we do not achieve this goal of $500 a month, the show will stop at the end of August. And so if you want the show to continue, please pledge today. You pledge a monthly amount. You can stop any time. You can pledge whatever you want. Uh, but there is a special incentive for people who pledge at least $4 a month between uh, July and August. You all, and everyone who's pledged thus far, actually, receives a T-shirt, a creative-controlled T-shirt at least three designs are in play, and we may have them in hand quite soon, and I will be sharing these designs with everyone the best way I can. I will try to contact each of you who have pledged uh, directly and say, hey, here's what I have to offer you, and tell me your size. So if you're if you're interested in a t-shirt, let me know, and uh, we'll figure it out. I'll tell you what sizes are available, and we'll see what we can do. Everybody else, if you haven't pledged yet and you wanted to see the show continue, please pledge today. Again, patreon.com slash creativecontrol. There's more information at vishkana.com and, and this show's Facebook page. So let's let's keep going. I want to keep going. Damn it. Creative Control with Vishkana. Good show for you this uh, episode. But before I get to that, a couple of things. First of all, uh, my ancient relatively speaking computer came back from the shop and it seems to be working fine the podcast making machine seems to be working i mean i hope so if you can hear this the damn thing is working so thanks to john Zhang at pc trust in guelph uh, for fixing my computer he put a new hard drive in it he didn't lose anything miraculous he said the hard drive was fried but it didn't lose anything as far as i can tell everything's there i back up some stuff i didn't back up everything but it's there it's good so thank you, John Shank. Other thing I wanted to make mention of, uh, I don't know what it was. I think it was last year sometime, I think. It must have been, I guess. This show it, it achieved its 100th episode, and to mark the occasion, I had this interview in the can that I didn't quite know what to do with. 
uh, a local writer, Andrew Nathan Hood, contacted me about interviewing me uh, for research towards his book. He was working on a book about my friend and someone whose music I admire, Jim Guthrie. So he says, can we have a chat? I said, why don't you just come on the CFRU version of this show? We'll just talk. And at the time, there wasn't even a show after mine. My show is on Wednesdays at noon, and at the time, there wasn't a 1 o'clock show. So we just talked for two hours, Andrew and I, about Jim, but also about me, because the my my I don't know it kind of dovetailed and that's why I thought it made an interesting 100th episode anyway uh, Andrew's book just came out and I don't think I've talked about it too much it's called uh, Who Needs What and it's out via Invisible Publishing their bibliophonic uh, series which mostly profiles uh, Canadian musicians and I just started reading it like two nights ago and I'm almost done it's a very short book and it's great love it beautifully written and I'm learning uh, a lot of uh, about my friends and their perspectives. So for me, I, it hits close to home because I was around uh, for a lot of that stuff. And I know some of the people talking. But I think if you want to know more about uh, Canadian music and, and sort of the dawn of this current enduring renaissance that we're going through in terms of Canadian independent music and its strength, start with this book, Who Needs What? by Andrew Nathan Hood. By the way, I mentioned that that was for the 100th episode. The 200th episode of the show... Is looming, and I've been kind of stalling to get to it because I don't know what I'm going to do. Special. I'm trying to find a big guest, and uh, it's not working out. I don't know what to do. If you have suggestions for what the 200th episode of this show should look like, at this point I'm all ears. Email me, Facebook me, whatever it is. I'm, I'm going to listen. Tweet at me. I think that's pretty much all the things I do. Please don't phone me. I just, I don't know what to do. So it's it's coming, though. 200 episodes, and, you know, you and I care, and that's about it, and that's fine. We have each other. We have each other, and that's the deal. I'll work hard. I'm still, I'm trying. I've been desperately trying for this episode. Anyway, this particular episode, which I guess is episode, what, 198 or something? It's good. Nigel Chapman of the Halifax band... Nap Eyes is on, and he's got a very interesting story, a very interesting vocational background, a fascinating musician and songwriter, and uh, his band put out a record back in March, and it's called Wine of the Mystic, and then two, not one, but two labels decided they wanted to get behind it and reissue it, so it's it's back again, and uh, you're going to hear some music from that record and, and hear some interesting stories about Nigel. He's an interesting guy. So this is myself, Nigel Chapman. Let's enjoy this show. The 32nd Annual Hillside Festival takes place July 24th, 25th, and 26th at Guelph Lake, Rain or Shine, featuring performances by Astral Swans, Bad Bad Not Good, Badminton Racket, Baskery, Battle of Santiago, Braids, The Brothers Landreth, Bulgarian Voices Trio, By Divine Right, Tim Chasen, Nels Klein Singers, Constantines, Nick Crane, Alex Cuba, Daka Braca, Del Bell, Doldrums, Echo Deck, Darren Edens, Eloquent, Etiquette, Everlovin' Jug Band, Nick Ferrio, Jeremy Fisher, Crazy Four, David Francie, Michael Franti and Spearhead, Galacticats, The Good Lovelies, Great Lake Swimmers, Ash Grunwald, Alana Gurr and the Greatest State. 
Tate, Hungai, The Henrys, Suzanne Jarvie, Mo Kenny, The Cramdens, Daniel Lanois, Last X, Lee Reed, Lids, Look Vibrant, Le Luc, Minotaurs, Moonface, The Once, Nancy Pants, Doug Paisley, Fred Penner, Perch Creek, Poor Man's Whiskey, Natalie Prass, The Spring Standard, Jamie Stone's Lomax Project, Sultans of String, Tommy Crest, Team, Thus Owl, Tribecastan, Riley Walker, The Weather Station, Jason Wilson and Pee Wee Ellis, and more to be announced. For more information about purchasing tickets to this accessible event, please visit hillsidefestival.ca. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Love and Mercy, Sunshine on Lathe, Jean de Florette, Mad Max Fury Road, Manon de Source, Suite Francais, and more. And at the E-Bar, Guelph Poetry Slam does a thing on Saturday, July 18th, and Lisa LeBlanc and Ginger St. James perform together on Sunday, July 19th. The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, more information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. Nigel Chapman is the visionary singer and songwriter for a Halifax band called Nap Eyes, featuring members of another Nido band called Monomyth. Nap Eyes released their debut album this past March, and it's recently been reissued in Canada on You've Changed Records and elsewhere in the world via Paradise of Bachelors. The record is called Wine of the Mystic and has prompted Nap Eyes to go on tour, including stops in southern Ontario between July 15th and 18th. Here now to discuss this further is Nigel Chapman. Uh, hi, Nigel. How are you? Hi, Vish. I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Now, where in the world are you? Uh, this morning, I'm in uh, Boise, Idaho. Uh, we we came here last night uh, to play a show at a place called Neurolux. Um, yeah, and now I'm sitting in a park in, in Boise, and it's really nice. <laughs> do, you, nice. Do, you, do you know much about Boise, Idaho? Uh, not very much. Um, <clears throat> near this park, there's like a little placard that says we're in like the the west end of town. I think that it used to be like kind of all farmland um, for like maybe for dairy cows and, and other things. And I think that it, it, there's like a little history of how like since the late 1800s and 1900s, it, uh, it's been converted to neighborhoods and yeah, and it, it's nice. That's what, that's all. It's just about all I know. Okay. And the people here are really nice. Is, is it? Am I wrong? Maybe I'm confusing. No, I think this is right. Isn't Ronald Reagan from near there? 
Whoa, you could be right. Yeah, I don't know, but maybe he is. I feel like, I hope I'm, maybe it's Iowa. I just remember being on tour and in like 2000, and I remember we crossed into, I thought it was Idaho, and there, uh, or yeah, I think it was. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. I might be wrong about this. It's probably Iowa. Never. Now I, I should be fact-checking. I just wondered if you, do you feel like a, a particular uh, like American politics seeping through your experience in, in Boise? I guess um, <clears throat> not, not especially strongly, but uh, but I, things I do notice are like maybe like architecture and, and neighborhood layout. We just drove through Oregon um, yesterday, and uh, it's cool seeing like the way the geography has changed a bit. Um, here in the city, they have a lot of really nice lawns and like big trees, and I'm not sure how much that's um, because of like like things that they practically had to do like to be deliberate about or how much grows naturally. But the Oregon trail was really cool. And it was like kind of super like, um, I don't know if to say arid at times or something, but really mountainous and, and gulchy. I don't know actually what that word gulch means. (laughs) (laughs) Is this your first time traveling in some of these places? Yeah. um, Yeah. Like last summer, Napa's went down the East coast a little bit. um, So we saw like, like New York City and Boston and like Pittsburgh and stuff, even Baltimore. But And I have family down in Baltimore, but as far as the West Coast goes, I'm like all these Midwestern states, um, yeah, it's, it's all new. So we, we entered Seattle and we, we played in Portland as well. Yeah, so it's really, really cool to see this place. Okay, cool. No, that's good for you. And so have there been any particular tour highlights thus far? Like you, you mentioned that you're in a park. That sounds good. But has anything uh, yeah. really, really <laughs> stuck out as being unique? Uh, yeah, I guess they, there have been a few, a few great times. Um, we had, uh, like, uh, we were in, I mean, always being in Vancouver and Victoria is, is really nice. Um, like the, the West coast of Canada is so beautiful and that, that was only my second time there. So we got to go swimming, um, at like a lake in Victoria, which was, or just like outside the city. And it was really, really beautiful and nice. Um, and then when we went south of the border to Seattle, like we got to, uh, yeah, play like a big, it was on Independence Day on the 4th of July. So there was like a big party with like 12 or 14 bands or something. And yeah, just really, really nice crowds and great kind of community spirit. So it's cool, cool seeing that, that like being introduced to Seattle in that way. Cause we, you know, we know about, um, that place musically from, for many years, like Nirvana and everything. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, significant, for sure. Okay, no, it's good. I'm glad you're having a good time. Now, you, as far as I understand things, you are on tour away from a pretty unique day job. Am I correct? I see, I guess so, yeah. I mean, you, you I, do have a I day job. You have a day job that's kind of interesting. That's right. <clears throat> I think, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm like a, a research assistant or like a, like a technician in, in a biochemistry lab. Um, at Dalhousie University, uh, uh, where basically I, I work uh, on a project under my supervisor, Jan Rainey, um, and I worked on this project like during my master's, which I took at Dalhousie, and then I finished it like last August. And then for about the past eight months or a year almost, um, I've been kind of a, like a part-time research assistant or technician, just still working on the same project, but without same like curricular stuff like presentations and and thesis is all done so i can i've been focusing on just my experiments really okay so you you completed your master's and then they kind of gave you a job 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was very grateful for. Um, yeah, it certainly helps a lot. And, and, uh, my supervisor, Jan has been amazingly like flexible and supportive of, of kind of both science and music. So Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's, that's really been, been one of the luckiest and best things that's happened to me for sure. And so, you know, you speak generally of being a, a lab technician and a research assistant. What do you have a particular field of study? Are you working on something interesting? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess the way it works in our in our lab and generally in, in the field is like if you take a master's in in biochemistry or if you sign on to a lab, like the the supervisor, like the principal investigator, is going to have like a big overarching project which he has grant funding for, mm-hmm. and then all of his grad students or technicians will be like assigned a sub section of that project. So, in our lab, the overarching project is. Uh, on a G-protein coupled receptor called the apolin receptor, um, which is basically like a, a, a cell surface protein that straddles the surface of the cell, like half of this protein is outside the cell, half is inside the cell, and it sort of serves as a communication bridge um, between the outside and inside environments. So like as a, as a receptor of apolin, it actually receives this little hormone, a peptide hormone called apolin, which kind of binds the receptor and activates it, whereby the receptor changes its shape, and then you get what's called a signal cascade inside the cell, uh, basically leading to various physiological effects. So there's like more than 800 GPCRs in humans, including like the serotonin receptor and the dopamine receptor, uh, uh, the beta-adrenergic receptors, which are, are used uh, in treatment of heart disease and stuff like that, um, are all, all among this kind of overarching class of proteins called G-protein coupled receptors. And apolin receptor is just another um, example of, of GPCRs. And it's sort of like <clears throat> discovered a bit more recently, a bit more uncharacterized. Um, still, people have been working on it for maybe 20 years now, but uh, they're basically like it's interesting because it, it's involved in like blood vessel dilation and constriction. Um, apolin is, is said to be inotropic, which means it makes your heart uh, contract more forcefully. So this can be really useful in, in treating heart disease. So people are trying to understand how it works and, and uh, unravel the sort of subtleties, I guess, of its its binding apolin uh, receptor and also of like the, the signal cascade with the various different proteins that are involved once once it's activated inside the cell. So, you're, yeah, so, you're, so your course of research is principally this this cell bridge like this thing that bridges the cell the thing that like the communication network that's right yeah okay okay so that's that's really interesting that's uh, and, and is this i'm sorry did you say this was a recent discovery that this thing existed so yeah it's, it's kind of like the, the, these words recent are are, are definitely relative in, in in one sense um it's not all that recent because apolin uh, was first discovered, I think, in 1988, and the receptor was discovered a few years later in 1993. Um, but so that's like 27, 23, 22 years or something. That's still but, that's um, that's quite recent, I'd say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and even more recently, like a lot of the technologies um, that we have at our disposal to study it. Um, uh, are, are are really like a lot newer than that still. So so many many aspects of the the protein and the signaling system are, are really being um, sort of fleshed out now, and still still much is unknown. So that's that's sort of why it's a 
yeah, like a, a worthwhile and interesting thing to study for sure. So what kinds of testing do you do with this receptor? Like how do you, are you testing to see what it communicates and, and when it won't and when it will kind of stuff? Right, yeah. Um, basically, those sorts of questions, yeah, like we uh, <clears throat> we know, like, you know, if you, we can think of it in a kind of a binary way, like the receptor exists in an off confirmation, and then when it binds apelin, it, it turns on. Um, and and that's sort of a simplification in itself, but e- even with that in mind, then there's different, like, degrees of activation of the receptor, like how long the activation lasts, what are the secondary messengers or second messengers that get activated by the activated receptor, mm-hmm. what are their cellular pathways and stuff, um, and sort of you you won't have ever a single effect resulting from a biochemical event like this. You usually have like um, sort of a, a a widening scope of of things that are happening. So you always have like it's, it's like dominoes where one domino is knocking over two other dominoes, and each of those is knocking over two dominoes, or they call two friends, and then they call two friends, sort of thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, basically like we're in the dark about a tremendous amount of things. Um, and, uh, it's very like, yeah, it's very cool to, to kind of look in, look at them and see which principles are specific to our receptor and which are like generalizable to GPCRs as a whole or like receptor signaling as a whole. And yeah, but, but yeah, basically like you can't look at, at things like with a, a snapshot with a camera, like the events are so small, like sub microscopic, but and and the time scale is so fast that there's no way to sort of look at them visually. So you have to look at like a, a readout, like a functional measurement that sort of reflects something that happened, which often involves you trying very hard to control like 10 factors so that you can look at one changing factor. Um, yeah. And, and try to kind of like get a, like draw a conclusion from the changes you see in that in that one factor, that kind of thing. Right. Okay. Now, whenever a songwriter like yourself or an artist like yourself has this other aspect to their life or their personality, even uh, the obvious question is, you know, does one impact the other? And I'm th- when I think about this receptor and and the communication going on, I think of some of your songs, and I want to get to that in a little bit, but I, I, I think as a general question, does your work in this scientific realm impact your songwriting or your the way you approach uh, music? Sure, I, I, <clears throat> I do think so. I mean, I, yeah, I think that uh, sort of no matter what you're doing, um, as like someone, like humans are always like expressing themselves and um, when it comes to art uh, I think as as honestly as it, it can be like a reflection of your your experience in life like you know the, the that, that's that's good and and that's like reflecting some kind of like in like yeah it's a it's just a good thing um, and a natural thing I think so um, so with that being said for, for sure um, like researching and, 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 and studying science um, has had a big impact on me in, in terms of the songs that I write, like, but like both in terms of like lyrical subject matter, because <clears throat> it's either like I'm thinking about the themes, well, like one thing would be like thinking about the actual 
like biochemical processes and the perspective of like life and evolution and, and kind of like like not claiming to be an expert about those things at all but certainly like at times like feeling feeling a sense of like appreciation and wonder of like of scientific principles or of natural natural phenomena um is like uh that's huge and in terms of like it's like that that's always always going on miraculously and it, and we myself included like you don't really tune into how incredible it is at uh at most at most times i guess um if like i could have songs that that sometimes crystallize like my appreciation of those things and 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 sort of like kindle a sense of uh appreciation in, in others that that would be an ideal thing. I mean, not that I necessarily have like a moral goal in, in creating songs, but uh, so, so there's that side of things that, that way in which uh, being a scientist definitely influences it. Cause I have to think about that stuff like for, for so many hours a week that like it, it just naturally ends up in, in lyrics and, and stuff. And the, and the other thing would probably be other way it influences me uh, would probably have to do with a sense of perseverance in the face of failure. Uh, right, you're yeah, you're constantly experimenting, yeah. and uh, so to speak, you know, in both realms, you're you're trying things out. Exactly, yeah, and nine times out of ten, or perhaps I would say ninety-nine times out of a hundred, like something will will go wrong or, or not strike in just the right way, <clears throat> and. Um, having like this, this structure and the routine around me that I had when I was in school. And, and now that I still have, um, to, to some extent, like in, in my job at the lab, like, um, and the sort of the, the support of like peers and a supervisor in a formal setting, like, um, this has definitely helped me. And also like getting, getting paid, uh, is like Im- immensely, um, like it's actually like materially, it's so necessary to live. And also like, uh, mentally like it works like it, it helps so much to uh to feel like uh supported by your efforts or something which which is something that like you can get pretty discouraged playing music um getting money um i don't know it's like you know yeah not that you need much but just that you it's sort of some t- some kind of like material validation um sure money is weird anyway yeah that's, so that's money money but, is yeah. weird yeah no, and I think another way I could have framed the original question is that, you know, you're working so uh, dutifully and heavily in a micro world. I just wonder, and then I think your songs maybe represent a big picture. Maybe that's a simplistic way of looking at it, but it seems like you spend a lot of time immersed in microcosms, and then perhaps your your songwriting is, is in a sense, applying some of that research or that, that experience into bigger picture questioning. Sure. Yeah. I, that's. Uh, yeah. I would. I would definitely hope. Hope for that. That. That's like. That would be my jam. Is like looking at the microcosm and trying to like blast it open. And and <clears throat> because otherwise, like, one of the biggest challenges I have in science is like feeling the relevance of what I'm doing. Because yeah, we work with such sub-microscopic sort of uh, things, and you're even within that. Like you ask yourself how relevant it is because you're sort of artificially controlling so many factors that you're only looking at this one tiny thing. And if you don't have reminders, like to give you perspective about how, how it fits into the big picture of, of science, it can get sort of like uh, very dry. So yeah. So anything like, yeah, that's, that's really nice to, to hear. If, if, you know, it, it, yeah. uh, it makes people that way. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you some lyrics questions? 
Sure, yes. Okay, here's the first one. These are just the lyrics that struck me as interesting. And I just, I don't know if I have questions per se, but I want you to speak to some of these lyrics. So this first one uh, that struck me, no man needs to care about another man's hair. Now that's from the song, No Man Needs to Care. That is a really cool turn of phrase and uh, quite <laughs> quite loaded. What, where did that come from? What does that mean to you? Right. Um, yeah, I, that, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a pretty simple kind of, I, like, like I, I liked it, uh, or I, I ended up doing that. That's a bumper sticker. That's a bumper sticker waiting to happen. <laughs> you guys need to get on oh, that when you're that merch. If that if I see you guys and the merch table doesn't have that as a bumper sticker, I will be upset. <laughs> Jeez, I, I yeah. I mean, like like anything, like out of context, I'd be a bit shy about it. But but uh, but I am. Um, I stand, I stand by those lyrics for sure. Like <laughs> that kind of, <laughs> it, it came with uh, a sense of like, yeah. Sometimes you get a little bit. Uh, it's related to the theme of like delirium and persecution, paranoia. Uh, the the aspect of like sometimes when you walk around, um, however you look, actually, I, like I think may, maybe some people are blessed with the kind of a natural. Uh, confidence and self-assurance that they never um, sort of like worry about how they're perceived by other people but um, certainly like yeah if you look a bit like out there or whatever like whether that's like oh you didn't have time to like comb your hair in the morning or like if you have long hair or or if you have like a different kind of wardrobe um, that that kind of this kind of thing like uh, yeah it just <clears throat> there, there, it, it reveals nothing about like your true uh, identity as a human being. I mean, it's like a reflection of like who you are and the things that you like. And you know, you you, you could probably make some guesses about what a person likes. You know, if they have like if they're like a a guy appear to be a guy with long hair, um, probably good guess that they like music. But like, you know, who who doesn't like music? That kind of thing. But I, I think like. Um, I, I felt like at, at different times, and this could be at least half of it is probably just me, like again being being paranoid that like the people are are judging me when they like are just focused on their own lives and like not even noticing me. Um, but other times, I feel like you know a sense of like yeah, like I guess like judgment or whatever, but in such a minor way that I can handle. But or or, or like you know what I mean? I wouldn't claim that this is significance struggle or something the only struggle is like when i internalize whatever feelings i have of like you know being misread or like being <clears throat> sort of categorized or labeled in like a way that like offends me <laughs> yeah i want to i want so, yeah. I, 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 I to home in a little bit on this paranoia and this judgment that you speak of because i have more lyrics questions and i think it pertains to what you were just describing uh the next uh, set of lyrics not one of my friends sticks with me now, one of my friends is with me till the end. Most of my friends, they just diss me. They may dismiss me from a distance then. That's from the song from the night of the first show from the new album or the, the reissued album. It's new. It's still new. It's the new album. Then the very next right. the very next song is Oh My Friends. And the first line is Oh My Friends, it makes me glad to know you're beside me. So a perfunctory reading of some of your lyrics and listening to the, the way they're delivered, I, I feel like... You seem uh, 
interested, if not obsessed, with social skills, lonerism. You tend to write, it seems to me at least, uh, about external perception and social niceties and keeping up appearances for the sake of your friends. You kind of spoke to this. Is it just paranoia? Why does this kind of stuff interest you so much? Right. Um, yeah, I think uh, the short answer would be, for, for me, I mean, it's like human beings uh, are tremendously important. Um, in my experience, they're also, like, tremendously sensitive, like, like, uh, so, like socially sensitive, especially like, um, you know, like, uh, yeah, somebody could, a single thing, you know, like a, a single like interaction or like a glance from someone. I mean, I think people are like this to varying degrees, but it, it's true. It's true for everybody that like, you can really have your whole day change. Like if you're, if you, if you have your feelings hurt, like even inadvertently by someone, which happens all the time, like people are just inadvertently hurting each other's feelings. Um, that can like, you know, just totally change someone's mood and, and their mood is like their momentary experience of the world, like what color the world is for them at that moment. Um, <clears throat> it's definitely transient, which is something that we usually forget. Um, but yeah, and, and by, by the same token, like, like a gesture of like warmth or kindness or like, like friendship from someone, um, is like, this can have like a completely the opposite effect. If you're, if you're feeling like, you know, way like lonely or whatever, like that kind of thing, you know, even a small thing from a relative stranger, like show that showing that they're not a stranger, like that can have such a, a huge impact on the, the quality uh, or like the mood of, of, of your life at that, at that time. And so I think knowing that, like, yeah, that, that's, that's where my preoccupation comes from. And also like a great, like insecurity and self-consciousness about like um, my own sort of uh, uh, like appearance or, or role, like in, in the world with other people and, and sort of how, how I'm doing. And like, I have, both, both like, you know, a, a sense of like persecution if I'm wronged by someone or and I get offended or like a sense of like, um, like sort of guilt or, or something if I screw up or if I do something like, like, uh, sort of like self involved or, or like, like, you know, egocentric and ignoring like the principles, uh, that really define the world, which are like, total harmony or like, to like total oneness or, or interdependence of everything, you know, when you have the false idea that you're like really important and that like, you know, your, your thoughts and feelings are like the, the reality and everything else is like some kind of like non-existent or non-reality thing. Like, so hmm. cer certainly if I catch myself with that kind of attitude, you know, I would feel guilty and, and other times, though, if I catch people, you know, overriding me or like, or trying to hurt me or whatever, like, you know, I would get sensitive. So I think I, I try to work a lot of that stuff out um, in songs. And, and again, the short answer is that like people are so important. So like you really have to value them. Um, and if you're not valuing them, like you got to sort of second guess like what you're doing or, or you have to like kind of look, look closely and try to 
try to correct that, I think. I don't know. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm hearing you speak and, and thinking about some of your songs. I feel like you, you tend to discuss and write about human beings and people and reality in a somewhat detached manner. Do you feel sort of separated from the world <laughs> at large? Do you feel <laughs> kind of like an outlier somehow? Um, I think that, uh, that if, if my songs sort of, uh, kind of have that, that ring to them or like, or if like the, if that's sort of a tone that comes across, then, then maybe that that could be a good thing. Um, I think for me, like psychologically, like. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. That is of, of great value to me um, to be able to, like, uh, yeah, create this, like, external piece of art or, or or a song or something and, and then also be singing it so connected to it like myself is like connected to this external thing that exists um but having it externalized in, in that way um is something that I, I benefit greatly from um because honestly no like I feel like so immersed in in the mire in like the great anxieties and 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 closeness and like and, and love with people um and also like fear of rejection and also like you know like fear of like being an an idiot or, or whatever that those, those problems uh you know it probably comes through in my song sometimes it may be in, the, in a more like anxious personal way but but for me to be able to get to a point of clarity where i can like see things like as i should see them um and I can kind of try and tune into that sort of perspective when I'm singing, but but you have it has to be honest too, so it has to have like a personal truth to it. Otherwise, you're just like I guess like you know pre- like preaching from sort of like an empty sort of like uh, standpoint or something. Mm-hmm. Just like spe- like uh, whatever that w- word would be like like you're spouting off things. You're like, but you're not connect. They don't have no ways. Yeah, something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know where you're getting at, for sure. Um, speaking of, of meaning and, and uh, you know, trying to grasp onto things, do you recall what first got you into music or poetry or, or lyric writing? Uh, were there particular artists or sounds, or, or was there a moment in time where you were struck by something that compelled you to explore music? 
yeah, for sure. Like, uh, yeah, <clears throat> always like songs. Like since I was young, like um, the first music that I I kind of discovered on my own, or that I like, kind of felt like a, like a personal sort of relationship with. Um, we sort of came after like me growing up with my my family and like you know my dad playing like a like the Bob Dylan tape in the car or like a like you know the Doors or something like um, was like later like when I was maybe I don't know how old like maybe like eleven or twelve or something like he- hearing like probably Green Day for the first time like hearing Dookie. Um, mm-hmm. And like just gradually, like at first it's kind of unfamiliar, but but uh, I was hearing that like like and and just kind of like when the songs become more familiar, yeah, it just kind of get it just gets more more involved or something like uh, when you yeah, when you uh, heard over, when you heard Dookie by Green Day, do you recall if you were drawn to what was being said, or do you recall if it was more about the tone and the the, the almost the stance that was being struck. Yeah, I like it all. I love it all. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, it's like, yeah, it, it can't. They can't be extricated. Uh, and I, I ask myself the same question all the time, especially when I'm like evaluating my prowess as like a songwriter <clears throat> in comparison to the world, which I would love to. You know, this is sort of the sort of the egotistical like you know, tangent that you can go on sometimes. Uh, but yeah, you, you, it's always like that. Those are the times where I'm trying to critically like extricate or those two things like, like, like sound and meaning or like melody and, and lyric or whatever. But they, they're so together. I think for me that that's the, what I always like when, when I find that, like I, I always come back to that. It's like, I do love poems and I, I love instrumental music. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it's some kind of combination, and and even beyond the, the the melody and the lyric, it's like yeah, something about the human voice and like the tone, like you said, the tone yeah. of like Billy Joe's voice or something is like yeah, that's that's sort of like like transcendental um, level stuff. Sometimes I mean, you know, when you're when you're kind of receptive to it. Yeah, I mean some of the yeah. refer- some of the reference points that stuck out for me in hearing Napai's for the first time, I don't know if they relate to you. I mean, I don't know if you would f- be able to relate to maybe you do. I mean, I'm hearing, you know, some Jonathan Richmond Modern Lovers stuff. I'm hearing some sure. Lou Reed Velvet Underground, a little bit of pa- sure, yeah. a little bit of pavement maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Silver Jews even. Like, so there's th- those kinds those kinds of things are there for me. Are they there for you? Yeah, so much, you know. Yes, like yeah, for <laughs> for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I <clears throat> like I can't re- like this. It's sort of like like sometimes I feel like it's like it's not practical for me to like try to like put like boundaries on on the kinds of songs that I like or or, or like singing that I like or whatever. But but those those artists that you just mentioned now, like I think they definitely all have in common. Um, yeah, a certain like like personal depth to the lyrics and like coherence to the lyrics, and also like a very strong sort of like uh, tonal emphasis in their voice. I don't know, like yeah, like sort of singing in this really way. Like people, 
say like, oh, like Bob Dylan's not like singing often so much as he's talking or whatever, which is sort of like a, a simplification. But they're, what they're getting at, I think, is that like his his voice sounds like like the the words sound like charged with 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 conversational meaning or something. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that's true of all those artists that you mentioned. It sort of like the contra in contradistinction would be something like 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 opera i guess or like like these sorts of like where classical music uses like a human voice as almost like as an instrument to express like the notes as purely as possible and the text is is there but it's sort of secondary i haven't yet gotten into opera but you know like my brother loves it and like i know a lot of people love it so i think that there's there's time for me one day though well, yeah. the, you're, I'm, I'm, yeah. I don't. I don't want to overflatter you or embarrass you. I don't really ask people lyrics questions, specifically like this. I don't say like, "Here's some lyrics that struck me." But I don't know. I was reading through your. There's a lyric sheet on this record, and yeah, the, it's that nice sweet spot of language where it feels uh, conversational, but obviously really thought out. Um, and and I feel like there's a lot of I had the same sentiments lately of uh, Courtney Barnett or someone like her, where the where the writing sure. the writing is is coming through almost stream of consciousness style, but but I can tell there's been a lot of work done, and, and, and for sure, yeah, yeah, and I and I feel that within your your work. So I I I bring these things up and I mention these references uh, just to to tell you that I appreciate where you're coming from and the Dylan thing. I mean. I don't know if you're aware of this. I'm a gigantic Bob Dylan fan, like a huge, <laughs> sweet, huge. Like I've seen him like 50 times, and uh, oh, amazing! Yeah, Whoa. love him, and I and I think he's the best singer and and the best uh, songwriter and all those things. And I think, uh, yeah, I can hear that. I, I that that conversational charge you mentioned is very well put. I think that's an interesting way of putting it. Where it's just a a person speaking particularly well, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's it's just like that's a really compelling thing to say. And if someone said it to you over dinner, you it would stick with you, kind of thing, you know. Right, right. And I think I think that's what you're tapping into. Can you tell me what is the, what's the deal? What is the mighty Northumberland? I was reading about this project, <laughs> the mighty Northumberland. This is this is you, right? Sure, or yeah, or at least it it, it has been. <laughs> um, it was, and it I mean it it is in in the sense of like certainly not anybody else. <laughs> Um, this is your solo. This predates uh, this band, right? It predates Nap Eyes. It's your solo work. Yeah, pretty, pretty. I think in a in a fairly cut and dry way. There might be a Mighty Northumberland release or two that happened sort of like after Nap Eyes first formed and started started recording. But um, yeah, mostly it's been like. Uh, not always, but mostly like things that I was just, just like playing on on my own, like usually with a like a an acoustic guitar or like a classical guitar, um, where I would be like sing like like singing and and making recordings like <clears throat> without a lot of forethought, but sometimes, um, yeah, and just kind of like like uh, yeah, just really like not often not with a lot of like like repetition or like or like uh like uh what is the I, what I mean Struc to say structure is like, like, like there wasn't a lot of structure 
Not always a lot of structure, yeah. And I mean, so I would not recommend that anyone listen to that is what I was going <laughs> to kind of get at. Um, unless you're sort of like, you know, like that's like kind of like you're interested in like seeing like a, a process or something. Origin stories. Um, Origin stories are yeah. very popular. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, there, we did some cool stuff. Like like one of the things that, that, that uh, sort of Josh, to, who plays in Napa's, has like, has, has drawn, um, attention to is like we did this one recording for uh kind of a hot money um release which had i think like uh long 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 and and josh's band quivers and and mark and scott's band um quaker parents i think at the time um we all all did a song for like this seven inch and yeah that was like a kind of a band thing for many northumberland which we had done before that like as the yeah, so that was like the seven-inch song, and that's called Icegrass Underpass. That song was pretty good, and it turned out well. Uh-huh. Um, and then there was like earlier songs. <clears throat> we did this thing called like A Dream of Rivers. It's like, <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah, definitely not like, uh, yeah, it would definitely feel a great amount of anxiety if someone would play any of that music or even like possess like the physical media containing that music in, within like 50 meters of me. <laughs> So, yeah, but it's cool. Like, it's, you know, it's the past. Uh, Basically, kind of what you're saying is, if Nap Eyes really blows up, look to eBay for these <laughs> mighty Northumberland releases, and you'll probably... Yeah, if you have a sort of, like, like I can see a few reasons for wanting to do that. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Unloading your mighty Northumberland records for Big Scratch. Yeah, I can see that being a <laughs> Now you mentioned Josh there. How did you end up collaborating with uh, Josh and, and, and Seamus from uh, from uh, Monomyth? Uh, yeah, the, I guess the short answer there is that um, those guys uh, are my really good friends. Um, they sort of they they want to have like, I mean, certainly I hope I never put like too much strain on the relationship, but they they stuck with me since like. Like high, like high school is when we first met each other. Maybe with Seamus even a bit earlier, um, and, and then Brad too. Like, like we met, um, like I think when I was going into grade eleven or something. This is Brad. Um, Brad Lowheed. Yeah, Brad Lahead. Yeah, Lahead. Yeah. Sorry, Lahead. I apologize. Yeah. No, that's yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. Now, Brad. Brad so is kind of an. Of Brad's a kind of an occasional member of the band. Is that how it works? Brad is like our ideal fourth member. Um, he's there on like like all of almost all of our recordings, except for those like um, like four track recordings, like Tribal Thoughts and Joint Uppers and stuff, uh, which you might find on Bandcamp. But but for the most part, any recording we've done has been with Brad. Um, he's also like, yeah, anytime it's possible for us to go play shows together, we always do. Um, but because of circumstance and, and because Brad is um, playing in like, like he lives in Montreal uh, and he also plays in like a bunch of different bands and stuff. It hasn't always been possible to, to tour together um, logistically. Um, but yeah, hopefully in the future, like more and more possible. So, but anyway, like, as a rule, I guess like we've toured as either a three piece or, or a four piece um, and both have like a kind of a unique sound. And so right now we're, we're here in Idaho as a three piece, but Brad is, going to come meet us in Chicago in a couple of nights. Um, and then we're going to play the last few shows, like five or six shows of the tour with, with Brad. So, yeah. 
By the way, <laughs> yeah, by, kind of like. By, by the yeah. way, you mentioned. Sorry to cut you off there, but you mentioned Chicago. I, I should. Uh, I would like to point out that uh, research has indicated that Ronald Reagan was actually born in Illinois, not. Oh. <laughs> Idaho, Idaho, or Iowa, or Idaho, which is a state I just invented. Um, so I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought, but that was a late-breaking bulletin. Ronald Reagan from the state of Illinois. There we go. There you go. Sorry. So Brad is uh, cool. an occasional member and monomyth you grew up with, and uh, it just makes sense that you would all play together. Yeah, yeah, just just old friends and and. Um... Yes, I felt like yeah, they're definitely sympathetic minds musically, um, and and like uh, like socially, they, I think those guys really understand me because they've seen me like we've known each other through through I think a lot of different times, and so yeah, there's a certain like like staying power there, um, yeah, and and I'm I'm so so glad to be playing with with all of them. Cool. Um, no, yeah. it's it's good. I think that that social aspect. I mean, given what we were talking about earlier and your weird songs about your friends, I, <laughs> I, I think it's good that you uh, can come back around and be like, it's fun to play with my friends. It's important to me. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, totally. other, I'd be worried otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, it's one of the best things. And and working together with people on something, like aside from just like, you know, chilling or having a party or something, like which is also so important and, and fun, um, it's great to have this like, Spirit of cooperative endeavor, where you're you're working together towards a common goal. Yeah, um, that really helps. Yeah, you've had the unique experience of releasing a small run of vinyl records of of this re- this release that we've been discussing, Wine of the Mystic. Uh, and I luckily have one of those original pressings. I think I have I have this thing on vinyl, but it's it's now out uh, via two labels. You've changed records and and Paradise of Bachelors, which I mentioned earlier. Which is cool. That's great. Uh, but I also understand that uh, a new Napai's album is in the in the can, and and I've heard you already, or rather, read that you've already described it as being a bit quite quite different than this one in some ways. Can you expand upon that? Yeah, I guess I I won't say <clears throat> it's because it's, it's hard to describe stuff like that. Sure. Um, I've but, heard uh, I've heard quieter or or slower or I don't know what I've softer. I don't know what the term is that I've yeah. Yeah, those things are, are, I'd say, all valid descriptors. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty different. We like the the recordings are. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Definitely, we were playing way quieter. I think is is one of the first things people will notice. Um, do you know what? Yeah, do you know what there. prompted that? Uh, I think it was mostly. I mean, but like partly the songs themselves and and like our our mood. Um, and definitely partly the setting that we recorded them in. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, we recorded uh, here in, or, or sorry, here we recorded in, in Nova Scotia, um, up, up at my parents' house near Picto, and um, yeah, it just kind of like felt good to play play quieter. The room like sound, sounded nice, and yeah, it, whereas it when we recorded Wine in the Mystic um, at at Drones Club in Montreal, which is sort of like uh, our friends like big like rehearsal slash jam slash show like DIY show slash recording space um yeah that's just a a room that it makes more sense to play loud there and, and you're in the city um where things are generally louder and stuff um yeah so I don't know like environmental factors have a big influence I think on on recordings especially like just recording performances live is like I mean you you yeah. describe them as environmental factors it just sounds like kids who don't want to make their parents mad yeah, it was kind of definitely like that was that was part of the decision. Um, 
I mean, we had like my my parents uh, were sort of away at the time, but uh, neighbors, you can't upset the neighbors. They'll neighbors, tell your parents, exactly. then you won't hear the end yeah, of it. Ex- <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know what it's like. So. I, I know what it's like. I have parents, and I am a parent. I know exactly what you're talking about. And uh, I can understand now why the album's quieter. You just you didn't want to get grounded. I mean, why don't you just say <laughs> the truth? I think you should just be honest about it. All right. Well, so and do, you, do this record's the new record is coming out in January. Yeah, it's looking like January, maybe February, but I think January. Yeah. Does it have a title? It does. Um, I don't know. I maybe won't mention it now, which seems silly. But uh, isn't it weird? You got all these labels now and publicists. You can't say. <laughs> is it? That's the interesting shift, isn't it? You've got to keep things a bit closer to the. That's so funny. It's so interesting to me. It's just because it's fair. It's. I'm not making fun of it. I, I think you need to respect everyone's work. So particularly your parents. We've already talked about how you don't want to make your parents <laughs> angry. You sign on to two labels. Right. You got a mom and a dad. You got new parents. Or two dads, uh, yeah. two moms. I'm open-minded. <laughs> I just think uh, that's interesting. All right. Well, no, it's good. So, but it's done. Is the record done? It's done. Yeah, it's uh, recorded, mixed, and mastered. So that it's all ready. And um, yeah, we're we're working on our work now. And yeah. Okay. But uh, I think everything should go okay in terms of the timeline. Hopefully. So you've got a reissue circulating now. You've got another record done that won't be out until January. What is next for Nap Eyes beyond touring and promoting this record and then the next record? Are you already uh, working towards a, a new record and new songs? Uh, <clears throat> I think I think so. I mean, yeah, there, there's so much. Uh, like this has been a real like like really shaking shaking things up from their usual routine um, since since you've changed it and Paradise of Ashes got sort of working with us, and now we have you know like a lot of like uncertainty and, and, and it's exciting like what, as to what will happen over the next few months with touring and, and stuff. Hope like hopefully something, but I'm not expecting, trying not to expect too much or too many different things because uh, there's no point. Um, Sorry, are you but, referring yeah. to, are you referring to um, the reception of all of these things? Is that, is, is mm-hmm. that what you mean? You don't try not to yeah. worry about what people think and what they, how they, whether or not they cover the records and all that stuff, you're just trying not to think about that. Absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. Why would you think about that? It's not none of your concern. You just got to make your work. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's a very like natural temptation to be like, and then this will happen, or like on uh, like, and that'll be great, or like, and then this will happen, and it will be terribly sad. <laughs> and, uh, both of those are sort of like pointless avenues of thought. Um, things seem to be th- spending your concentration better. Things seem to be working out. You've had profiles in. In what, uh, stereo gum, maybe, or something? Yeah, yeah. Noisy, I know I saw that, yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, the press is paying attention, and for whatever that's worth these days, that's good. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited, yeah. Do you, Uh, do you, uh, do you miss uh, the the lab when you're away from work? Do you miss your scientific work when you're on tour and stuff? Uh, to be honest, I, I don't have to, like time really I, I feel like uh, the, the one thing that I, I miss at home is like um, like my, my loved ones and my family like my friends and stuff um, that I that I really miss like um, and then I just feel like tour is like so immersive that like and I, I probably miss in some kind of like 
general sort of gut feeling way, like the the structure and the routine um, that I get, like working in the lab and stuff. And I miss my friends there and, and yeah, yeah. supervisor. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the work, like like this is, uh, yeah. I, I just I love I love playing shows every night, and I I really like I love thinking about this kind of side of 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 my life like it, it is really uh yeah i'm really glad to be here um and, but what if you have I, yeah, but what yeah. if you have like a eureka moment about your lab work on the road has that happened you're like wait a second that, maybe that happens to some people i feel like i feel like it, it, it it's not slated to happen for me um <laughs> but you know it could like i feel like i could have eureka moments about like things to approach or like like ways to adjust my personal attitude but not so much about like like scientific explanations for like why my protocol has not been working as i needed to work or whatever because i just don't have time to to troubleshoot or to like or to think about that stuff my mind doesn't naturally rest on those things whereas my mind does naturally rest on like what music is playing in the car or like um, where we're going to go and, and find food or the coffee before we do the next thing or like how late we're going to be for the show or, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, there's not as much time. I think you need sort of moments of quiet uh, concentration. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, once again, the latest Napby's record is called uh, Wine of the Mystic, and uh, I'm holding it in my hand right now and it's available now via You've Changed Records and Paradise of Bachelors and you can see the band live in... I believe the dates are Windsor, Hamilton, and Toronto between the fifteenth and eighteenth of July. Is there more? Is there? I thought there was a Guelph date somewhere. Uh, there is, yeah. Guelph. If it's not listed, it's uh, the sixteenth uh, in Guelph. So Windsor on the fifteenth, Guelph the sixteenth, then um, Hamilton and Toronto on the seventh. Um, okay, seventeenth. Guelph is like incline decline. Yeah, yeah that's on, right. Sorry. That's right. The incline decline festival. I just didn't see it listed anywhere on your. Um, at least I don't. And know that's you, that's your home, right? Is that where you live? Yeah, I live at the Incline Decline Festival. It's weird. <laughs> cool. It's very messy and very loud all the time. No, I live. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I live in Guelph. Yeah, I'll be here. I, I think we briefly met uh, for the first time in Guelph when you played uh, a show at the Silence Venue. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I very briefly, I, I was mostly catching up with Josh, whom I've encountered in in, in my. Um, uh, stalking of Monomyth. I don't know why I put it that way because I certainly am not stalking them, but I like Monomyth and we'll see them whenever I can. So uh, Josh and I were catching up, but I, I feel like you and I said hello at least. And uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing the band. So uh, yeah, the 16th in Guelph as well. And uh, the other dates are Windsor, Hamilton, and Toronto. And for more information, people can visit you'vechangedrecords.com. Uh, let's just send people there. Now, is there a song from uh, Wine of the Mystic that we can go out on uh, there, uh, Nigel? Is there something we can uh, play? Oh, yeah, anything you want. I don't. I don't really mind. No, yeah. I, I know that. That's a that's a good answer. Uh, that is a very diplomatic <laughs> answer. But is there something that you would recommend? Um, if you have like, I don't know how much time you have, but if you have like like seven to eight minutes, you could play Delirium if you want. But you could also play. Um, delirium like and persecution. Yeah. No, we can we can do whatever we want. Delirium and persecution, paranoia. That's the song you wanted to play. Yeah, sure. Why did that come to mind? I don't know. I like like I like that one. Um, Brad's doing some crazy crazy stuff on guitar. 
give a nice groove that, that lasts through the song. Um, yeah, I like, like fishing that one, too. Like, kind of pertinent. I don't know. You play it live? Yeah. Uh, when Brad's around, sometimes. Okay. Um, okay. But, yeah, it's it's another difficult one because our set's maybe half an hour, and, and that's, like, good quarter of it right there. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, don't be uh, – don't, don't, you know what they say, F the clock, my friend. F the clock. You can do whatever you want. All right, this is Delirium and Persecution Paranoia by this great band from Halifax, Snap Eyes. And uh, Nigel, it was a pleasure to speak with you, and, and good luck on the road, and, you know, we'll see you soon, I hope. Thanks, Vish. So great to talk to you, too. Thank you. Red. 
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at cfru.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.